Welcome back to another episode of Friends from Work, a podcast about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, hosted by me, Robbie Earl, and by my good longtime friend from work, Kyle Sconewell. If you were just joining us for the first time, welcome. Today is a type of episode that's sort of has a tradition of turning into its own thing, I guess. Sure. Uh, so who knows what this one's going to be, but it's always fun. Uh, this is when we get to, with the benefit of hindsight, as Ultron would say, uh, <laughs> revisit a film uh, that's been in theaters for a bit, aside from our initial reactions episodes, which come out right after release. Uh, and today, as you've probably gathered from the title, we get to reflect on Black Panther Wakanda forever, mm -hmm. which I'm really excited to do. But before we get into that, I'm also excited because I've been out of the country and kind of off the grid for a couple of days. Right. So this is actually my first time talking to Kyle in like a week, which is really strange. It's awful. You're <laughs> unbearably naive. <laughs> that was actually pretty good. I tried to do it. That was a pretty good impression. Man, <laughs> maybe I need to start looking into doing more impersonations. I mean, I feel like generally that's what people keep coming back for. Yeah, right. That's all we hear about. You know, we do this whole deep messaging about <laughs> the themes of the MCU, and all I get is <laughs> messages about, can you please just sing the Wakanda Forever theme song again, please? Yeah. And I mean, honestly, fair. Every time, yeah, like, whenever know. I was rewatching it for this episode, I don't blame him. As soon as I hear the cue, I'm like, wait, is that Kyle or is that <laughs> Baba Mall? I think, still, I'm not sure to this day. Well, in between filtering all those messages from listeners, I'm having to delete a few emails from Ludwig. He's like, hey, can you get over here and track this again? I'm <laughs> wow. Like, Dude, just, I'm busy right now. Wow. Yeah, uh, we've got a lot going on. How was Nicaragua? Man, it was incredible. I don't think I had any idea what to expect because as much as Candace and I have traveled, which I feel like we've been lucky to travel a decent amount between my music career and then just opportunities we've gotten in the past couple of years uh, in law career world. But I've never been really to Central America or really anywhere on this side of the world, south of Mexico. And so it was a, I mean, it was a ton of fun. I was sending you pictures. We got to go see the inside of an active volcano, which is something mm -hmm. that I've never gotten to do. Um, and it was actually kind of great because it, we had this really incredible tour of Granada where we were staying and we kept talking about all the history and how much it's all tied into like the the Mayan culture and the Mayan traditions within that part of the world and then I was thinking you know I'm prepping up for our uh Wakanda Forever reflection episode true which really you know like the more I I spend time with that movie and, and the more I watch it and the more I read about it is really intent on and really interested in uh, exploring Mayan history and culture. We have such a leg up on our competition in regards to you traveling the world, <laughs> doing research <laughs> on where the <laughs> film was directed or filmed or. Yeah. It's just crazy. It's all a write off, you know, it's all a write off. <laughs> Speaking of but, world traveling, uh, I did not world travel. But this was the week that I mailed out our artwork prints on the Friends from Work Plus side to our patrons there who support us mm -hmm. that way. 
And one thing that struck me as I was doing this is how many international listeners we have. And mm. so I'm not going to remember all these, but I shipped multiple to Canada, the United Kingdom, Japan, mm. Germany, Norway. I'm blanking. There was a lot more than That's this. That's wild. Yeah. Japan? And, uh, I I'm know like, Japan. These are all, wow. And these are people that are paying for Friends from Work Plus. So shout out to all of you international listeners out there. If yeah. we've never given you a shout out to your beautiful country, I have not traveled the world enough. I would like to go visit your beautiful country. Australia, that was another one I sent a lot to. Wow. Um, wow. So yeah, shout out to all those people this week. Man, that is so fun. That's really, uh, yeah, I, I do. I appreciate that. So thank you all. And so now may be a good time to look into Friends from Work Plus if that's piqued your interest in the past. We have a lot of fun stuff going on over there. I mm -hmm. just did a movie Especially club. Especially lately. I did a movie club episode on Creed because mm -hmm. Creed was directed by Ryan Coogler. It stars Michael B. Jordan, Tessa Thompson, yeah, and then wow, Sylvester true. Stallone, who is Takar, and the music wow. is done by Ludwig. So wow, it's kind of fivefold. I don't think I ever put all that together. That's wild. And it was interesting to watch another Ryan Coogler film and see a few things that mm -hmm. have tie over. So if something like that interests you, a deeper dive into other movies that have loose ties to the MCU, that was really fun. Mm -hmm. And I got a chance to bring on one of our listeners to help do that episode with me. And then today, releasing next Monday, I just did a full-blown Star Wars episode with another listener. And let me tell you, if I, could, if I could give one pitch to toot my own horn here, I found myself by myself on an epic 35-minute rant. I mean, I, I got fired up. I don't know what happened. I just got so emotional about Star Wars. So the first 35 minutes is just a journey <laughs> through my Star Wars background. Uh -huh. And you know all these things because we've talked about them on the phone. I finally dove into that for all of our listeners. So, again, all that to say – a lot of really fun stuff happening over on Friends from Work Plus. And that's not even to mention the Comics Corner stuff that you and Candace have been going into. Mm -hmm. uh, you chronicled your time at the New York Comic Con. And, mm -hmm. and, and now, kind of a mashup of two worlds here, Candace is going to be on a main feed episode with us yeah. again because we have a really fun interview coming up that's kind of a spillover of the Comics mm -hmm. Corner. So, again, just one last pitch here. Now may be a good time to check out Friends from Work Plus. You can find that link on our website, the right. FFWpodcast.com and click join the Patreon, join Friends from Work Plus, anything like that, you'll find it. Well, and this is actually maybe the best time of year to join Friends from Work Plus because we're also about to start our annual friendly nominations, which Oh, will yes. Which will all culminate, you know, in our friendly awards, which is the annual Friends from Work uh, kind of best of the year awards for each of the MCU projects that came out in the preceding year. Uh, so the, the awards show will be... <laughs> we'll have... Man, I am, like, I'm really interested in this one, uh, which we'll get into because we're going to have a, a phase four reflection and a lot of that will come up here. But the way this works is we, Kyle and I, will come up with a list of nominees in various categories. 
uh, across all these projects from best actor to best music to best sidekick to best new animal friend. Uh, it, it varies. And there will probably be some categories that were around last year that won't be around this year and vice versa. But it's all super fun. However, mm-hmm. while we do the nominating, we do not do the voting Anybody. and the deciding. We don't at all. No fingers on the scales. We vote independent in this. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the people that do the voting are our friends from work plus subscribers. Which it's really fun. It just is. It, it, it's been one of the one of the real highlights of the of the Friends from Work Plus platform so far. So I say that to say, if you are interested, if you want to try it out, this is a great month to do that because you will have the opportunity to vote in our coveted Friends from Work Plus Academy. Yeah. This is not just a sales pitch either. It is really fun, actually. I look forward to it every year, and those episodes are fun. So you can go back now and listen to our 2021 episode. It's weird Mm -hmm. because it's the friendlies. It's like the Super Bowl. It takes place in 2022, but we were covering the 2021. (laughs) In this case, it'll be Mm -hmm. happening in 2023, covering the 2022. I'll never get it straight. All right, so let's get into our ranking and reflection of Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. So the reason I wanted to start with that track is because I want to do something new here today, Robbie. I was thinking about this. Let's do a quick little segment that we call oversold, undersold. And I want to go back (laughs) and say, what are some of the things we oversold in our first initial reactions? And what are some of the things we undersold or missed in our Uh initial reactions episode? We can follow up on that here. The reason I play that track is because one of the things I didn't, talk about enough, I undersold on the initial Mm -hmm. reactions episode was not just the music. We talked about how the music was awesome, but when I watched the film a second time, I didn't realize how often Ludwig was playing with his original themes Mm -hmm. in really, really unique ways. So that's actually the last track on the album called T'Challa. So that must be when they're in the post credit scene. Mm. And I... I just love that twist on that same melody we've heard a hundred times from the first movie, but with uh-huh. the guitar building yeah. it there and yeah. then the choir kind of swelling and it's definitely a more emotional vibe. So mm-hmm. I undersold how often he weaved in some of those themes. When I watched the film a second time, I realized there's a lot more than just it was well done. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's fair. I mean, I think we were so shell shocked by how good the score was just in, in general, yeah, I don't even think I don't think we had time to, e- to even delve into it because it was just like a 
I mean, and, and that was a, a reaction of everyone. But yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed getting to sit with that score more uh, as an album as well. So let me give you another example of what I'm thinking. I oversold how out of place some of Namor's dialogue felt. When I watched it a second time. You oversold. I oversold. When I okay, watched it a right. second time, it wasn't nearly as unsettled as I remembered. Even the mm-hmm. scene specifically that we referenced where he's explaining like the exposition of what happened to uh-huh. him growing up, that even felt more natural than I thought yeah. the first time I watched it. So in regards to that particular character, I oversold my dislike for some of those things. It's even better than I painted it in that first episode. I agree, actually. I got to see it again. And on the second and third time, I got to watch it in preparation for this episode. And yeah, I actually, that's a character, and not every character from this movie did that, and we'll talk about that, but that's a character that has improved every watch for me, um, bit by bit. Like everything about the, from the history to the way the character is is portrayed visually, um, to the actual performance. I, I think I'm getting more and more excited about what future installments yes. with Namor can look like. Another thing we undersold, the future yeah. of Namor. I I agree wholeheartedly. Now, keep in mind, in the initial episode, I remember we did like it. Like, I really liked Namor yeah, walking yeah, yeah. out of the theater. So just that one particular thing I know we made a comment on, I thought it was, right. was better. I did think... And and I can't. I think we probably mentioned this in the initial reactions episode, although it was it's getting too far away now for me to remember. But yeah, I was sitting there thinking, you know, I I I'll probably reference this several times through through this podcast. I, I re-listened to the first episode of the official Wakanda Forever podcast that Tanasi Coates is hosting, and it's kind of it's weird because the the podcast I don't think really starts in earnest until like next year. And I think it's going to be going for a while as kind of a retrospective of the making of Wakanda Forever. Um, but the first interview is, you know, really emotional interview with with Ryan Coogler that we've talked about some. And then they were giving some previews of future guests. And there's a clip from Kevin Feige talking about Namor and the introduction of Namor and how excited he is to see him kind of show up in like countless movies to come. And I was just thinking that's that's really unique. Like, I'm not sure that I can think of, maybe there is and I'm just missing, but in this moment, I can't think of another character that's been introduced as a villain, really. I mean, he is the villain in this movie. Mm-hmm. And also as like a, a character that has enough weight as a protagonist or potential protagonist Mm -hmm. to stick around for his own potential film, but certainly to show up in a lot of other films. I guess the fun of the character, right? Right. Right. Well, and and I don't even know if I don't, I don't even know if there's been a character that has been introduced as a villain that we expected to appear in other films, period. Hmm. Like there have been, there have been characters that carried over, you know, and like, you could argue Thanos, but that's kind of different because that was an intentional peppering in to set him up. But like Ronan, yeah. you know, like yeah. 
Loki. Yeah, oh, I got one. I got one. Loki. I got one. Loki. I got one. Loki and okay. Zemo. The fact that Zemo was then brought yeah. in as part of a show, basically, where yeah. he's like a main character. But yeah, but but your point stands. Yeah, I think it's just it. It makes for a really actually Zemo and and Namor are very similar in character structure. I think. Hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. Zemo kind of oh. gets redeemed in that show. A well, bit. no, no, he, well, he. Yeah, I think they are, and I think that's that's one thing that I think I undersold, and that's maybe a, a perfect transition here. I love it. I undersold how excellently Coogler moved this this story forward and the franchise forward, while also like really sometimes subtly but always really effectively giving Shuri the same beats that we needed her to have that T'Challa had for it to feel like she's earned the the uh, right to be Black Panther. And we that, undersold Shuri as the Black Panther too, in general. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I was just, I was thinking like, okay, yes, Coogler obviously, he he goes back to Black Panther with Michael B. Jordan's character as Killmonger and sort of talks about a lot of that in, in some really interesting ways and revisits those ideas and shows her having the same conflict with him and really that T'Challa had with Killmonger. So we get those parts of Black Panther. But then, yeah, I mean, like, we get real almost scene-for-scene scene recreations yes, right. of T'Challa's origin in Civil War. And I, which we totally undersold. We didn't talk yeah, about that much because what I love about it too is, you know, I, I was watching it again, thinking there, you know, there are certain staging things they could have done to really hammer in, like this is what we're doing. You know, it's like, for instance, when Namor, like Namor, kills Queen Ramonda with a bomb, right? That. Shuri isn't in time to save her from, which is exactly the same way that Zemo kills T'Chaka, which T'Challa isn't able to save him from. And I was sitting there thinking at one point, like, oh, it's, you know, I almost wish we would have gotten the Shuri holding her in her arms, like the famous Ah, shot that we got of Chadwick. But then I was like, you know, I think that's the beauty of this is it's sort of like you have to sit with it to see what he's doing, because if it were any more explicit, I think it would feel ham-handed like it's like because you don't want it to feel kitschy like oh look we're you know we're redoing all these things it all feels so natural and like it flows within the the story that he's trying to tell anyway but then like yeah by the end of the film you have this character that i was really skeptical about as the next black panther because I felt like she didn't carry a lot of this like gravitas that Chadwick did and and hadn't gone through these particular experiences, Coogler finds a way to put Shuri through this same journey in a way that also feels very unique to her as a character. And I think what's so impressive to me about that is you you can get that fulfillment without it feeling like a retread. And I think that had to be hard to pull off. All right, two-parter for me, piggybacking off what you just said. Part one, totally agree. I'm not even going to say I undersold it because I think I just kind of missed that Mm. portion of her story. Like, yes, giving her those Black Panther beats. I think about the scene 
of her finally showing up in the actual Black Panther suit and the way she talks to M'Baku and M'Baku's kind of terrified that he, she's showing this like rage yeah. revenge thing. And I don't know if that's the exact same as the Black Panther, but it has a similar feel and beat to what he had to go through. For example, like when he was going to chase down Bucky, regardless of what it meant and kill him right. because he wanted right. to. Um, yeah, I just, I think I was so in the mindset of, I think Nakia is going to be Black Panther that right. I missed actually what he was trying to do. And that's right. my fault. That's my fault there. Part two is that I totally undersold Latita Wright's performance in general. In the first episode, yeah. I remember saying specifically, she was really good. And that was it. We moved on. Uh-huh. Um, it's better than she was good. She was great. Yeah. And I feel like she really owned it. Again, I think I was in the wrong headspace of thinking Nakia was going to get the role eventually. So that was not even fair yeah. to her performance. Um, where I think we totally nailed it. So not oversold or undersold. Where I feel like uh-huh. now looking back, we nailed. Is actually just the overall vibe of the episode. And the consensus. This movie landed at 84% critic, 94% audience. And I think, if I remember right, I specifically said I think it will be 86%, uh-huh. which is, you know, this is before any reviews when I walked out of right. the theater. And I said, I can't see anyone in the audience walking out and saying, this is a rotten movie. Right. So I said the audience score is going to probably be even higher. Who's going to dislike it? And I think that's exactly what happened. Everybody on our Slack is like, it was really good. Now, what's interesting is the other part of the vibe from that episode was that I was also like, but because it doesn't swing as big, I don't think Mm -hmm. it's going to get a 90-plus critic. And I don't think very many people are going to walk out going, that's my favorite Marvel movie ever. And I was right on that. I don't right. feel like in general the consensus has been that it's the best movie ever made. And I don't think that even amongst Marvel fans, there's been as much discussion on this film as some of right. the other films. I think, again, due to its lack of polarizing nature. Right. So in that way, completely nailed it on the first initial reactions episode. I think there are a couple other things that, that I – I, th- I think back on um, that I think we nailed that I want to talk about in one second. But while you're talking about that early consensus and where we landed, I, I don't know that we've talked about that on here. I think we have maybe a, a bit. It is so interesting. Like I've come to realize, man, like as we've gotten further into this world and and I pay more and more attention to these early reactions – I just don't think they mean very much at all. Like, not not like, I'm not saying like, no one's first reactions to a film matter. What I mean by that is like, the first tweets that come out, the first big headlines, I'm realizing like, this is not just Marvel stuff. This is like, yes, like indie uh, Avatar. films. Avatar even. even. Oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, and, and that's what I was just thinking about that. I just checked, you know, we're recording this early in the week, so Avatar hasn't actually released yet. But... As an example, what, like a week ago, a week yeah, and a half ago? I know exactly when re- what you're going to say. When early reaction started, it was like, oh my gosh, this might be the best film I've seen in years. Like, this reinvents a blockbuster. Like, people were like freaking out about what this movie was going to be. And I was like, even then thinking, I was starting to think, like, 
okay, before I start to go down this road, I'm now, I've now been through several of, several of these cycles where it's like, like I, whether, because we've talked about that some with Thor, Love and Thunder, which wound up being super, super low, but early on, everybody said was maybe their favorite Marvel movie, definitely their favorite Thor movie, but then same to some extent with Wakanda Forever. And lo and behold, like a week and a half later, Avatar is currently sitting at 82%. And it hasn't released yet. I'm willing to bet that'll drop down a bit more because that's normally how that works. And isn't that just... Yeah, I don't know. I don't mean to be super cynical there, but it certainly seems like there's no way to really garner much from those early reactions. Totally. Two things I want to reiterate to us and that I want our audience to know and remember. First of all, rarely, if ever does a movie go up as time goes on, right? Like like every right. review of any movie ever that starts at a 95 will slowly work its way down as more and more people see it just because that's how it works. So right. some of the best films of all time slowly work their way down. Secondly, you're totally right. I want our audience to just remember when those first reactions come out that that is the only time that as a content creator ourselves, mm-hmm. those people have a chance at really making a splash saying one thing or another. So just remember that's the frame of mind these reviewers are in when they're walking out is that they don't have anyone else's opinion to judge it on and they'd rather err on the side of it being clickworthy by saying it's the greatest thing they've ever seen. Right. They want they want their name. I get this cuz I want it. They want their credit <laughs> on the trailer, you know, that yeah. says Robbie astonishing friends from work. You know, right. Uh, so you're going to use language like right. that, you know, but it is fascinating. It is fascinating because how do you discern then when someone's not doing that, you know? Right. Well, it, it gets tricky, too, because it's like you because of the nature of the early reactions, you start to get some distance from the movie and you're seeing more and more people talking about the movie and it's not out yet. There's not really anyone around that you can talk to other than you know, you and me. And so as you see more and more reactions trending one way or the other, it's easy to be like, man, okay, like maybe these something that I thought about this, I was totally wrong on because everyone else is viewing it this way. And you start like, for me at least, which I'm prone to do anyway, kind of second guessing and getting in your head about. And But you just got to be you, man. Like, that's what I always say. Yeah. I mean, I said that to you the night of, too. I'm like, dude, yeah, we just yeah. got to post what we truly felt and not worry about what other people thought about it. No, which is, yeah, which is true. I mean, everyone else is already taken. <laughs> that's true. All right. More over and undersold after a quick word from these sponsors. I want to take a quick second to do two merchandise pitches here. First of all, check out our incredible sponsor, Epic Hero Shop, by going to epicheroshop.com today. If you use our promo code Friends From Work, you can save money off your first purchase at epicheroshop.com. They have the best merchandise for Marvel fans, DC fans, Star Wars fans, and just film fans in general. You're going to like the way you look, Men's Warehouse. And how do I know this? Because Robbie and I do. I myself have a TVA Loki shirt, a superhuman law shirt, a Miss Marvel shirt, 
a Moon Knight hoodie. <laughs> I mean, how long do I need to go on? I have all the Epic Hero Shop merch. You're going to love it. Check out EpicHeroShop.com. And don't forget, as we're nearing Christmas, the Friends from Work merchandise makes an excellent Christmas gift. So go to the FFWPodcast.com and click on Shop, and you can find our classic Friends from Work logo t-shirt and our 90s-inspired vintage Marvel logo t-shirt, as well as a few, and I emphasize a few, random-sized tank tops in the Thor Love and Thunder theme. So get yours ready for next summer. Sun's out, guns out. I'll send all those to you, and I'll get them to you before Christmas time. So the ffwpodcast.com slash shop. I wonder, I'm just going to ask this now, since we've, we've actually got enough runway, soft pole, do you think there would be any interest in a 2023 version of a Suns Out, Guns Out, Friends From Work tank? Maybe, Good question. Maybe like volume three themed? Question mark? Just throwing that out? Yeah, also, that's a good point. So, you know, we like to build our merchandise based off these projects. So we got to look at what we have coming this year. Ant-Man themed merch or Guardians 3, more Suns Out, mm-hmm. Guns Out. The Marvels, that could actually yeah. make for a fun Suns Out, Guns Out. That's true. The, the Man, I'm, yeah, the Marvels logo is, is actually looking pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Lot to think about. Maybe that's even its own, maybe, maybe that's its own poll. Talking about the, uh, the friendlies. Maybe we have a, a, a merch awards as well. <laughs> All right, Robbie, what else did we over or undersell or nail? Okay, so, yeah, I wanted to talk quickly about a couple other things that I thought we did nail, um, if I remember correctly. At least, you know, and again, this is us saying we nailed this according to us. So, <laughs> you know. So <laughs> I nailed it because up. I said so. And I still think that I was right. Uh but again, I am prone to second-guess things. Uh, so, you know, it, it's I'm always pleasantly surprised whenever something stands up the way I thought. And another thing that I just... I, I, I really stand by is that the inclusion of Riri Williams here I think was a good idea. And in large part, it was, it was done well. I don't think that the iron heart of it all needed to be in this movie at all. Like I just, in terms of her, like it would be one thing if we, if we got just the shot on the, like in the whole kind of car chase scene that ends with the, the first Atlantean battle, like that's one thing. In part, it's kind of fun too, because it's like, oh, like that sort of looks like the, the Mark one armor. And then where could this go? But I think, I think she stays in the movie too long. Like I, we talked about, or I talked about on an earlier episode, how I think of Wakanda forever in large part as phase four's version of, of a movie that Marvel has had at least one of every phase, which is the, it's a sequel to one movie, but it's really as interested in, in world building at large. And I think like Iron Man two is an example of that. I think Guardians of the Galaxy in some ways is an example of that um, to a lesser degree. Civil War is maybe the biggest example of that. And so I, I think about Civil War when I'm watching this movie also because of some of the parallels we already talked about. And I'm like, 
We needed a Spider-Man amount of Riri Williams in this movie. And we got a T'Challa amount of Riri. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. For me personally, in regards to Riri, mm-hmm. in episode one, I said that I felt like her acting and her dialogue slash chemistry was a little out of place at times that she wasn't fully settled in on my second viewing. I oversold that problem. So I'm going to back off that a little bit. I feel like her acting, her dialogue and chemistry worked better the second time than the first time and watching with Annika confirmed that she liked it more than I did. Okay. However, on if in general, what you're saying you're saying just the Ironheart, but in general, did the movie even need Riri, period? Yeah, I either nailed it or I undersold it. Like on the second watch, even more than the first time, I was like, what is she doing here flying around in a Power Rangers suit at the end of this fight? Like, I yeah, I just totally don't need it. So I was already aggressive about that in mm-hmm. the initial reactions. I'm going to double down on that. And I walked out of the theater and I always let Annika talk first. Cause I have already seen it when she right. watches it with me. I've already seen it. And so I don't want to like influence her opinion. She hasn't listened to the episode yet. Mm, so she doesn't yeah, know any right. of my feelings. Again, oh, that's, she doesn't that's want crazy. anything spoiled. So she doesn't let me say a word to her when I see uh-huh. it two weeks in advance. So I haven't talked to her period. Then we watch the movie. She does not want me to talk to her at all during the movie. We walk out <laughs> and I want to let her say, what did you think? She doesn't even know if I liked it, dude. I don't even say like, I can't even say like, Oh, it's good. She, she hates You're just like, all right, time to go to the movie. Right. She walked out, and it's always interesting to hear her concerns. I told you, remember, she walked out of the Multiverse of Madness, and she was red in the face. Like, right, she right. hated certain parts of it. And I was like, whoa, I felt this way, but not like the way you're portraying <laughs> it here. Um, she was hurt by that movie. That's the better way to say it. Not mad at it, but like, wow. that, you know. She felt the same way. She walked out, and she was kind of like, the Riri thing is a little strange, right? And I'm like, totally. Like, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you said in the first episode, it felt shoehorned in. That's the word you used. Right. It totally does. I, I haven't backed off that after watching it a few more times. I yeah. I get why they wanted to start introducing her. You're right. It's so much like Spider-Man in Civil War, where it's like, we mm-hmm. want to introduce this character ahead of time. But... I think you've landed on the perfect compromise, the Robbie Earl cut, which is like have <laughs> Riri in it, have mm-hmm. her make an appearance. Maybe she doesn't have a suit finished yet, though, even. Maybe she's just working right. on it. And yeah. she's the one that was the scientist still that developed the thing. Okay, that's fine. But does she have to already have the ability to pilot the suit perfectly? And like, right. does she have to then go to Wakanda and build a super suit with Shuri? Like from that point on, what is it really adding to the movie? I'm not That's, saying it's a disaster, yeah. but what's it adding to Wakanda forever and those characters? Like I, so I think, you know, Riri adds a lot in that it's. Well, she can and, add to the MCU. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a whole different discussion. And, and, and I'm totally, I'm excited. F- this has no bearing At on 100% the character. You know, no, like, I'm just reflecting on this film. Yeah. Yeah. No, agreed. But I was just going to say, even within this film, I see what they're doing where they're saying we need a character that that would be engaging enough and sympathetic enough 
for it to justify Wakanda going to war against Namor to kind of protect, right? Because if it's some like random American scientist that it, it is, you know, some like ex shield person or whatever, I don't think that that Shuri is going to feel like it's worth going to like treat with Namor on behalf of. And so I see what they were doing there, but even that I'm like, I, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I think that once it gets to like, even the scene with, with Ramonda's death, like I appreciate the fact that she had that last chance to save her and it was kind of the sacrificial ending. But talking about like the parallels, like T'Chaka didn't have that moment. You know, it's like he didn't die saving someone. He just died and and it was still a very moving, very meaningful scene because of the impact it has on the other characters that are there to witness it, right? So I don't know that they needed that to like take it. Like I feel like that's a real like, let's take a scene up to the next level by having them not just die, but die in an act of sacrifice. And I just don't know that we even needed that based on how much I was already like locked into Angela Bassett's performance in that whole movie as much as anything. Which is it what I wanted to just kind of muddy that, that water a little bit, right? Totally. Which is a perfect transition into the next thing that we absolutely nailed. I don't know if you saw this news, but as of this week, Angela Bassett yeah. was nominated for a Golden Globe as Best Supporting Actress, which is mm-hmm. what I called out. I, I said Oscar you know, in the episode, but I was saying if this was going to be nominated for something, it'd be her. So yeah. shout out yeah. her. I think we nailed that. We praised her performance a lot in the mm-hmm. first episode. I want to reiterate that. She's great and captivating to watch, and her death is very, very moving. And uh, it seems like we were right because she's nominated for awards. Uh, yeah, man, and that's so deserved. I won't go back through it because we talked about that a lot in the first episode, I think. But, yeah, I mean, there are almost every scene she's in, I'm I'm blown away by in this movie. And, and I don't feel like that's a reaction I normally have. Like, as much as I, I, as I love these movies and, and how certain scenes stick with me, like this is the the first one I remember in a while being like this particular actor was just like, she was on fire when they were filming this. So here's something we missed per our slack and a few internet searches. I think the consensus is that we were led to believe that M'Baku is becoming the King of Wakanda. Mm -hmm. We were confused. And I still think it's a little strange, the pacing of that. Like, I feel like, why not make that even more obvious? Right. Don't you think Shuri could have showed up to that and been like, hey, I'm passing right. this on to somebody or something. So right. I think in general, it was portrayed kind of funny that it was kind of just thrown in. But I think we're supposed to believe M'Baku is indeed the king of Wakanda going forward. And Shuri is indeed the Black Panther going forward. Yeah, and I think, like, there's a part of me that's, like, we could have gotten the cool Winston Duke on the throne shot, but I also like, I like that we got to revisit the waterfall scene, but yeah, I, that was it not It just shouldn't have been confusing, to that's initially. all. Yeah, it yeah, shouldn't be yeah. confusing. That's not a, the that's fact not like that a neither Christ- of us were aware. <laughs> that's yeah. not like a Christopher Nolan, like, hey, you should really have to figure this one out. Like, just right. tell me you're not. <laughs> right. Uh, By the way, did you see the news this week that made me laugh so hard that in Oppenheimer for Christopher Nolan... He's not using CGI for the atom bomb 
Did you hear I this did. news? I, did. Like I don't actually, even know like, what that means. I think he detonated a bomb in the desert. That's I think. insane. <laughs> but the That's memes insane. were so funny. It was like a meme of like Christopher Nolan after he's killed every person on earth just to not use CGI, you know? <laughs> it's like he with a camera. <laughs> Uh, anyways, um, sorry. No, that I think is that's funny. about all oversold, undersold, or missed for me. So, I guess this is this is no okay. This is one final kind of undersold for me that I think will transition us in, into a different conversation. Uh, just reflecting more broadly, you mentioned this a second ago. I I don't think that that. I don't, I don't think I realized this in, until now. I think maybe like I knew it in my heart of hearts, but it's just now it's, it's finally reached the surface. I don't think I like the Ironheart costume in this movie. Like the final one. Oh boy. He's back. Costume Robbie's back. Man. <laughs> don't let him get started. I just, I just don't. It's, it's so weird because one thing, I mean, I think, I think that Black Panther won the Oscar for costume design, right? It was at I'm least nominated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, let me look it up. Keep going. And and in fairness, I get that this is more a, a kind of visual effects side of things than a costume, but I still have to imagine that you had some of the same folks in the in the room involved. It in, did win. In, it did win. Okay. And I just like, and even in this movie, right? Like, I think across both films, the costumes have been really incredible. Namor's costume is fantastic. All the Atlanteans, like all of that. It's, it's one of the things that I loved that I talked about in our first episode and that all stands up. Another thing I'm putting a pen in to, to revisit. Um, now that I think about it with Atlantis. So don't let me forget, but okay. yeah, man, I'm just watching it at the end and it's like, I don't know. I, it doesn't it's look Power Wakandan. No, like, it's yeah, Power I, Rangers. It's strange. It, it's totally it strange. It looks it's weird. It looks it looks like Power Rangers meets uh, like, like anime. Eve from Wally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like kind of anime, like futuristic, yeah. like robot. I. It's so strange. It's so freaking strange. I like I hope that they change it for the show. That's not like that's the, the other thing for me is it's like that's not how the, which is fine generally, but like. That's not how the character looks in the comics. Like the the character. So why looks, they go that direction? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's it's like it, the character looks more just like like a mini Iron Man, and maybe they just wanted to make her more distinct. But well, I think they wanted to make her more like Wakandan futuristic tech. But I'm yeah. with you. My only thought there, though, is I think they'll leave it behind because the whole point was she had to leave the suit in Wakanda. So I think that's like that's the true. Wakandan version of the suit, which I think looks dumb. But I think that for her show, it won't be that. I, I would be shocked. Yeah. Okay, no, that's a good point, which is encouraging. Yeah, I, man, just strange. Also, uh, to put a... <laughs> Keep going, rapid fire these, I love it. Well, <laughs> well this, is, this is just, I, I don't want to rant about the Ironheart inclusion the entire episode, but I think the other thing that I realized on this watch is like, you see her, like, the, the big, like, Tony Stark homage scene... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, the heart. Two things about that. One, we never know why it's a heart. Like, right? We never get told <laughs> why that's the thing. Like, is that supposed to be, like, a heart-shaped herb thing? Is that where that's coming from? Hold on, hold on, or, hold on. Good point, because does she ever say Iron Heart? I don't think so. In the movie? 
No. Yeah, so why would she just be doing a heart? Yeah. But also, she's, like, hammering it out of, like, steel. And then her actual suit looks, like, futuristic, (laughs) like, there's no steel on it. Okay, and then and then final thing on that. <laughs> I think what what bothers me some about this and this is this is exactly what would have been solved by just not having her around to that point in the film, right? Like think about if the last scene even had just been the the bridge scene, like maybe they instead of taking her, they just take Shuri. And and that's sort of the way that Shuri winds up down there and and they're just threatening to go back and find her. It's not that they're you know, maybe that's the conceit. And the reason I say that is like, from then on, there's really, there's never any other mention or connection of Tony Stark. Like there's the one line when she's in the, in the garage where she's like, is this Stark tech? And then she's like, I knew it when she puts the suit on. And that's fine. Like, obviously you've had a ton of Tony Stark in the MCU. It's not that I need more Tony Stark references inherently, but for a character that is supposed to be kind of symbolizing the legacy of Tony Stark and and that is clearly so obsessed with him as to have like built what's supposed to be an Iron Man suit, like why is I, I, it's just strange like there's no there's no mention of how that of how he's a hero of hers or motivates her or why and I get that they're gonna come back and do all that in the in the Ironheart show. But then why put it here? Right, exactly. That's what <laughs> flustered, I, it's like. Flustered it's just, Robbie is my favorite Robbie that ever happens <laughs> on this podcast. Because <laughs> I can, I just, I'm seeing you right now, our audience isn't, but I can see you getting so worked <laughs> up and I love it. You're like, you're trying to choose your words, but yeah, it's weird. It's weird. I And I just, I, I want to, like in closing that point out, like you said, like, I don't, don't hear this as a rant against the character against the way the character has been played. It's just simply like for the story that Ryan Coogler was telling in this movie, why, I just don't know why they felt they had to graft this on. Totally. 100% agree. Something I missed, but there would have been no way to not miss it. <laughs> okay. Mm. Dude, I saw this incredible behind the scenes thing. Did you see that behind the scenes bit about how Tanakh Huerta that scene of him delivering that dialogue underwater, that monologue uh-huh. to the rest of Atlantis, whatever we call him. Uh-huh. He actually did that underwater. That's him underwater for two minutes. He practiced holding his breath and eyes open the whole deal. The camera's underwater filming him doing the dialogue. So he memorized his lines, rehearsed, doing it underwater and they shot the thing underwater. So when oh, I said like, insane. it's insane. And so I said, why does it look so much better than like Aquaman? Well, it's because right. they're actually just underwater. Okay. I'm so glad you said that because that's okay, the that's other crazy point though. That, Hold on. That's yeah, crazy. Oh, no, that's wild. Which also, did you see that Ryan Coogler actually learned to swim so that he could direct those scenes? No. And also he didn't know how to swim. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> Yeah, so he was like, I want, you know, I wanted to be, I think that at one point, you know, he he maybe could have tried to direct things, like, not actually underwater, but he wanted to be, like, in it with the Well, especially if some of this is actually being filmed underwater. Yeah, seriously. And so that was the other thing. Like, it's interesting how certain kind of storylines gain life. And by storylines, I don't mean plot of the movie, but stories about the movie that people are telling. And one was that, 
like the all, all of Talokan was too dark and it was so hard to see anything and and that that was like somehow a big flaw of this and I just have not I've not felt that and and if anything that was an an undersold by me how much I love the way that Kugler depicted it because yeah I had yeah, I hadn't it, even heard that Oh really? Yeah, like I've heard I've heard actually have heard several people tell me that just personally that have gone to see it. Um like a like a long night thing from that Game of Thrones episode, but I don't know. I think it's really cool. Like I like how dark it is because I think that they really tried to capture what it would look like to have this underwater civilization and I really respect like how far they went with it and I liked the like I had never noticed the emphasis of the the like vibranium sun that he has above the throne and how cool that is and just all it's it's so much more creative and so much more like it shows way more dedication on the part of the filmmaker than what we got in Aquaman and it's like and and by the way like I think what's so fascinating to me that James Cameron can never do or or anyone can ever do with a, a totally made-up universe. I know. Right? <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm saying anyone, but I'm really just meaning James Cameron. But you but said I was thinking James about this. first. <laughs> that James Cameron I, could never do. I mean, that anyone else could ever do, too. <laughs> I just, what I love about what Kugler was trying to do here uh, with Namor how much he let that be to his people, what Wakanda was to Shuri and, and T'Challa's, and that so much of the fun of the first Black Panther movie was what would it look like if you had this African culture that had never been colonized, that had never even really been impacted by Western society, and moreover was technologically advanced way beyond anybody else. And so I think we talked a lot about how Kugler was trying to do similar things and, and go back with, with Mayan culture but even just paying more attention to the way he makes that look underwater and how much he's kind of digging into this, these kind of historical mysteries that I hadn't even really thought about in the context of this movie about these abandoned Mayan cities, you know, like explaining why they were abandoned because they, you know, at least this part of them, like take this herb and then have to go into the, to the water and then like showing how that would progress in like a semi-modern way while still like in the same way that that Black Panther one did the like Afrofuturism so well, like how that could look and bringing some of those Mayan design elements for lack of a better term uh, forward. Like I think I, that, that was a, an undersell for me because that was such a cool idea from what I have heard, that was totally Ryan Coogler's idea to, like we said, like Namor has, there's nothing like that at all in the comics. Like, I think he's the one that decided to run with it. And I think he's the one that felt really passionate about, you know, getting it right uh, to the extent that that's a, a thing you can do in a movie like this. And yeah, I, I was very impressed with that, especially on my third watch. Agreed. I have one final thing. All right. I don't know if this is undersold or oversold or missed or just I want to reiterate, I guess. 
Watching Black Panther Wakanda Forever a second time. Okay, let me do it this way. One part of it that I undersold. I brought up in that episode about how Shuri's story of non-belief in Wakanda and the spiritual side of Wakanda and all of that. Mm-hmm. I under I undersold how well they did that. I, I didn't realize like that's not just like a side theme. That is kind of like the theme of the first her line. as Black Panther. It's that she doesn't fully believe in like she doesn't believe that T'Challa is even in the ancestral plane. Right. Like she doesn't believe that that exists. Mm-hmm. She thinks that technology and science is the answer to all of these outdated religious beliefs of Wakanda. Right. Which, again, we, we pointed that out. But wow, that's actually like a major theme and a theme that obviously mm-hmm. people have been debating for thousands of years. Right. And right. this was an incredibly deep and well done take on that. Like. Even to yeah. the point when she's yelling at M'Baku at the end, it's like, mm-hmm. a, no, I'm going to do what I want to do. Like, I don't care about these past, like, traditions or what you're supposed to do. And I think that even reflects her character from the first film where, like, you know, can yeah. we all just go yeah. home and get yeah. this over with now? Right. Like, she's not into any of the traditions, the spiritual side of it. And then I think what Cougar is trying to show us is the fun development of her seeing her mother at the end and realizing that that part is Mm -hmm. true. She does have a right to believe in that. So that is all true. And I think I undersold how important that was to the film. However, even on my second watch, I just wish they had landed that even stronger. Like I I Mm. wish I didn't walk out of the theater the first time, slightly wondering if they fully rounded that off. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, that is such a good theme and a point that I wish was like hammered home. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure the one shot of show them who you are from her mother, like that I fully understood, like, oh, gosh, that's her going to the ancestral plane. And now she does see it and she's not seeing Killmonger. And like, that means not everything about ancient Wakanda yeah. is wrong. And like, I don't think I left feeling that. And so that's partially a miss on my part. And partially, mm-hmm. I wish that was more sold to me than the first time. Is that fair? So th- I think that's totally fair. I agree and disagree in that I agree that I didn't come away from my first viewing with a strong of an understanding of that as I have now. And I don't think that's just us because I'm Candace said something really similar, like when we came out, where she was like, Oh, I like, I wish that was more of an emphasis, not even just it being explicitly the technology versus the spiritual side, but just the. But also the, the traditions and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The general, like, kind of Old battle within Shuri. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think, and so I do think that that's something that didn't maybe come across as well as it could have, at least on a first viewing. Now, I will say, And this in part, you know, (laughs) we talked about how in these screenings there are no trailers. And so it just like starts. And this movie starts with a whisper of dialogue and there's no warning. So I'm not even sure I caught that first line on the first viewing. She's praying. Yeah. I don't think I like, and if I did know that, I just kind of, I heard her praying and then was like, oh, she's praying for T'Challa and then kind of moved past it. But in the prayer, she says, you know, I promise if you heal my brother, I'll never doubt you again. Oh, see, I don't even know if I caught that. Yeah. And so that's the opening of the entire movie. 
And then the final scene of the whole movie is her burning the funeral garments, which is embracing tradition and and finally being able to like commune with T'Challa. So it really, you know, to their credit, like that is the, like it's a clear arc. Uh, But it took me a couple viewings, I feel like, to realize exactly what they were doing. And I don't know if that just means the movie lends itself to multiple viewings or if it means they missed opportunities. Well, it seems like such an important arc that you wouldn't want to have to have people have multiple viewings. Right. Yeah. No, that's a good point. And I mean, that's a fascinating discussion that I want us to get into at some point. Uh, because I've been thinking a lot lately and maybe this is just a good way as we're leaning into our, our rankings here, um, of transitioning there. One thing that I've always done a lot of, but I've certainly done a lot more of, uh, since we started this podcast is, is rewatching things and rereading things. Like I'm, I'm a person that's always enjoyed. If I liked something, I like going back and experience it again to see if there's something different that, that pops out or if it resonates with me differently in a different station of life. And, you know, because of the way we approach these movies, especially, I get to do a lot of rewatches in, in rapid succession. And that even is a, is a different exercise than watching a movie and then watching it again in two years, then watching it again in another three years or whatever. And I think one, one thing that's just been brought home to me is how, how much of a difference there can be between viewings based on, like, what you and I have talked about with, like, the crowd around you, if there is a crowd, if you're at home, if you're in a theater, who you're at the theater with, are you on a date, are you there with your best friend? Like, there are all these things that play into, it's like whenever people talk about how standardized testing is so (laughs) prejudicial because what if you're just having a really bad day, right? Like, what if you're sick? What if you didn't sleep well? Like, and so it all comes down to this one day. In some ways, I'm starting to feel more like that about, about movies where it's like, man, like, who knows what moods you're going into that in, how maybe you've had like a, like for me, I know I've had really busy, like really stressful day, days at work. Even like we've talked about how No Way Home didn't hit for me as well on the first viewing as it did on the other few. But you probably remember, like I had to go into No Way Home, like right after putting out this big work fire and I was really stressed <laughs> and I had a ton going on. And it's like, obviously the movie is still the movie. I'm not saying that your perception is so altered that you're like having a trip or something, but I'm just saying, I think I'm realizing because of how often we get to do these. uh, Yeah. Like I, I think there's a lot of value in people giving movies a second chance in general. I, I think there's just a, like, I think you will almost always either enjoy the movie or just enjoy the process of, of seeing what hit you differently. Like, even if you come away and you're like, that's actually worse than I thought it was the first time. I don't think you'll, you'll regret having done it. Like, I think it's just a a night, like as we talk about the best way to experience these things, I, I just don't know that you will ever regret having had the opportunity to kind of sit with something that these people made for a little bit longer. Totally. End of, end of rant. All right. Let's do your favorite thing. Let's <laughs> rank this movie. And I'll give you a quick 
update to my rewatch and to trivia after a quick word from these sponsors. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So one other tidbit really quickly, as I mentioned in last week's episode, we're going to be launching our YouTube channel, the YouTube portion of this podcast, and hopefully eventually getting video versions of this podcast on Spotify. So if that sounds interesting to you, go to YouTube and search the FFW podcast or friends from work and you can find us subscribe to that page because I think there'll be some fun things there. Like last week's episode, when we react to a trailer You'll now be able to actually watch the trailer in the episode and see us yeah, live react to it, which fun. is kind of fun. Um, again, those are the kind of things I'm talking about when when saying that there will be some new fun stuff in 2023. So go to YouTube and follow that. And then hopefully, if you don't, follow us on Spotify as well because eventually, hopefully, the video will be on there as well. So this is really difficult for me to rank. And... I'm not the one that says that every week. You're the one that says that usually every time. But for me, things usually fall into place pretty easily. But as I've been doing this rewatch journey and going back and splitting my lists, it's now getting really, really hard to go back to just one list. And I see that that's problematic, huh. right? Because yeah, like on our website, I want one official list that is – very concise, easy to read. I understand that we can't have four lists on there of 40 right. projects. It'll just be like <laughs> nonsense, right? But that is really how I want to do it. Like I really want to rank this movie yeah. when I get through my entire rewatch and put it in a critic and a preference. And so for today's exercise, I'm still going to give it one number, but just know that in like a couple of months when I catch up fully on a rewatch, mm -hmm. it will officially be split lists for me. And by the way, I think what the answer to that is, is I think we need to do one joint friends from work, ultimate rankings on our website. That's you and I yeah. together come to a consensus compromise where we have to, but right. <laughs> where you can't stand firm and don't <laughs> Never compromise. Like yeah, no matter what happens. <laughs> Um, but I think we need to Such just a have dangerous uh, philosophy. <laughs> it's good for the most part, but yeah, in all situations, maybe not all, um, have one list, you know, and then we can have our individual two lists. So that's my disclaimer. Yeah, no, I, I, what I envision for the friends from work site is a friends from work list that instead of you and I giving our respective rankings here on like critically, I think we would just argue over what we think the critical ranking should be. And then we'll have the Robbie and Kyle's like a favorites list. Cause I think that's what the preference list really is, right? It's just like the movies that are kind of your favorites, like your favorites totally. to watch. That's what we'll do. We'll do that from now on for today. We'll still do the exercise of right. where you think this should go, which is perfect. Cause this is the end of 
phase four, essentially, and the end of season three. But again, to reiterate, my old rankings is already kind of a combination of the two. This is not strictly critic because I am influenced by some of my favorites here. All right, here we go. We've already summed up Black Panther Wakanda forever a hundred times. Go back and listen to our initial reactions episode. If, you're, if you've made it this far, you've already listened to this episode. So I feel like I've said most of everything that I want to say about this film. Next mm-hmm. week, we're going to be talking about Phase 4 as a whole. Just the rewatch order, the ranking of it, and what do you expect for Phase 5. I'm really looking forward to that conversation. And some mm-hmm. of this film conversation will fall into that episode still. So there's more coming there. That being said, and this is where it gets so weird, okay? But I am going to rank Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, 14th in my list. Now, hear me out really quickly. Hear me out really quickly. That's right after Spider-Man Far From Home and ahead of Multiverse of Madness. But it's also ahead of Black Panther Mm. in my list. And here's where Uh I really run into a problem, right? Critically... I think Black Panther and Wakanda Forever are so extremely neck and neck. In fact, I debated having them go back to back. Hmm. And I think in a lot of ways, Black Panther is probably the better critic movie. And so it shouldn't be ahead on my list. But that's where preference comes into play. I think Hmm. I would rather rewatch Wakanda Forever seven out of ten times over Black Panther. Hmm. And so... I'm going to rank this ahead of Black Panther for that reason, knowing that I'm acknowledging that in some ways in regards to the messaging of the plot, I feel like it's not doing as much as the first and the things it's trying to do that could have maybe been equal to the first, like we were just talking about, weren't executed perfectly like the first was. Like the message of the first was a a 10 out of 10. And here I like the message they're getting at, but it's like an 8 out of 10 because it's not fully landed. But something about Namor, something about the action sequences being ramped up, I just think I enjoy watching this one maybe a little bit more. So I know that's a really ambiguous way of saying it's 14th right now, but just wait till you get to my two lists. Yeah. No, I, I, so I, I really agree with a lot of your breakdown there. And I think it's going to take me a while sitting with this one to know how to rank those two movies against each other for a lot of reasons. Like it's the the biggest being, (laughs) you know, at least when you're ranking like Captain America movies, they're different movies starring Chris Evans, you know, but it gets, it's so strange to like, you have totally different. Yeah. Anyway, my, my point is it's hard because a lot of the things that I think of the first one doing well, I, I think this one did as well or better. But I think to your point, the major, I think the major pro that the first film has over this one is that it doesn't have an Ironheart problem to the extent you agree with me and think that that is a, a, a problem. Like there isn't anything that feels grafted onto that first film. And that's actually, this is a perfect way of me the the one thing that I missed that I was going to come back to earlier um and this will maybe sort of set up my ranking here I think the movie was just too long like I I don't think it needed to be Mm. it's it's the I am someone that that is always fine with longer movies like I I 
I'm a Lord yeah, of the Rings right. fan. I'm almost like, can you take can you take like 20 minutes of this and give those to Thor: Love and Thunder? Because like, interesting. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like that movie was one of the first Marvel movies where I was like, yeah, this could have breathed for a second longer in certain spots. Yeah, and, dude. And then this I one, I'm that. like, man, this is, yeah, like I, I don't know. It's it's like they had. They had a little too much time, and I think that that's always dangerous because it starts to, it just starts to make the, the story, too cumbersome. Whereas the first film was never that. And we've been consistent with that on this podcast. It's not that we've always said the movies need to be longer or they always need to be shorter. Right. It really has been a project by project basis, and in this case, I agree. Actually, like that middle part, like we talked about. Mm-hmm. It still is a little long. Like you could have trimmed 15 minutes out of there. Oh yeah, easily. And I, I mean the first part, every time I've, I've watched it so far, the first like third of that movie is almost flawless in my opinion. Like the, like this, every time I see like the first siren scene, like there are so many things. And I was trying to think through all this when I was ranking, like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard. Cause there are just a lot of things that are done really excellently in ways that I was like, oh man, like this is really like a really quality MCU entry. And so, you know, that's a perfect transition into my final point, not on this film, my next point. So you, you do the ranking first. Sorry. Okay. Okay. I'll I'll get my Just know I'm excited with how perfect that sets up my next point. Okay. (laughs) Perfect. I, uh, you know, going through this also was so difficult because it's a it's such a special movie. Uh, I don't I, I hope that it's unlike any other movie we ever have in the MCU. I know it will ah, be in, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, just for obvious reasons, there's a lot going on. like I I didn't get to talk about it as much as I wanted to, but like I would really encourage people to go listen to the the Tanasi Coates Ryan Coogler interview because I mean, it's super emotional. Uh, hearing Ryan talk about his last days with Chadwick, finding out about Chadwick's death. I don't think I had, I I think I missed this on my first listen of that episode. I didn't realize he had fully finished the script for this movie and sent it to Chadwick to read. And he said Chadwick all along this way had been super, super involved in the whole process. And, which you know we've we've heard we've all heard those stories of how much ownership he took of the T'Challa character and the franchise, and so he asked him if he wanted to read the script before he sent it to the studio for notes, and he said that Chadwick said, "Ah, oh, you know, no, it's fine. Like I trust you. Like I, you know, I don't want to get in the way," and that it was only later that he found out talking to his family that at that point he had just been too tired to read anything. And so, but like, I think a couple weeks after that, he passed and Coogler still didn't know he was sick until after his death. And so it's just like, the more I learn about this project and. That's so sad. Dude, it's, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I, it's brutal. Uh, it's so much about it. Like I, the fact that like we've talked about before, I think on the podcast as we were piecing this together, but like he confirmed that like when he met Chadwick in 2015, which 
I think, you know, it was probably right after they finished filming Civil War. Uh, actually, I think he maybe met him on set for Civil War, if I remember correctly. But regardless, he was already sick. Like, even back then. And I was watching Civil War recently on this Ant-Man rewatch that I've been doing. And, like, you know, it, you can tell as the movies go on that Chadwick is kind of losing muscle mass a bit. Like, and I always thought that it was just, like, a change in the style of the character. But, like, even back in, 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 like, the very first introduction of the character. And so then you think about every stunt that he did. And that's what, what Ryan talks about on this episode. Like, every decision he made to, like, go the extra mile on these various components of filming. Not just the stunts, but also just, like, the long days and the amount of ownership he took. Like, is really powerful to think about. And just, I mean, it's it's a really... Yeah, if you listen to that interview, you should be if you're somebody that gets that's like prone to be emotional, it, it's a super emotional conversation. But my point in all that is just to say, like Ryan Coogler had a, an insane task. That's uh, that's a fair call out. And 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 so you know, given all that, with all that in mind, and and how hard it is to rank this against other things, for me, this is going to land right around 12 in my rankings um and i, I, I think feel that like out. it's totally fair to either say it's towards the bottom of the top tier films in the mcu or towards mm-hmm. the very top of that second tier that's about where yeah. i feel like you should probably land uh that's where uh, i mean you can rank wherever you want but that's where i was thinking it would right. go no, that's so. I mean, for context, that makes this the highest ranked movie of Phase Four, other than No Way Home for me. Uh, so it's above Multiverse of Madness and Love and Thunder, uh, and it's right below uh, Winter Soldier. So I mean, <laughs> all things considered, like I'm looking at the movies right above this, and it's Winter Soldier, Iron Man. The Avengers, Civil War, <laughs> like, you know, it's... Dude, yeah, see, that's where I need to adjust mine to at some point because right now, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 are all Phase 4 films. Love and Thunder, know, Black yeah. Widow, Far From Home, Wakanda Forever, Multiverse of Madness, and I don't know about that order yet. Again, I, I need more time with that specific yeah. chunk as far as I think I know where they all should go. Like, none of those right. hit me as, like, the very top tier. Mm-hmm. But they all were like better than like Age of Ultron, let's say. So yeah, it's kind of well. Right and even there. I was actually like, as I was looking at this, thinking I need to revisit my rankings in general. Uh, but especially Phase Four, mostly Phase Four. Like I just, I kind of had the same thought. And again, it's it's difficult, especially with Multiverse of Madness and Love and Thunder. Because those movies were so polarizing that it's like if I spend too much time not watching them, I start to remember them the way that like all the people that that hated them saying. remember them. <laughs> you yeah, know, you gotta watch like, them again. Yeah, yeah. I just need to get back it, it, into it. It like, becomes less your opinion and more just the online opinion. Gets like it grows in your head. Okay, so I want to use those final thoughts to make my last transition to a quick rewatch update and and oh, a trivia yeah. question for today. Um, first of all, when we were comparing Black Panther and Wakanda Forever, it is interesting because 
I never feel the emotions as strongly in Black Panther as I do Wakanda Forever, right? It's very similar to right. the No Way Home or the Endgame versus Infinity War debate. Like, I don't know that I ever feel mm-hmm. the same depth of emotion there, but it does other things better than the other things. So, like, if you're making subcategories, it would get even more complicated. Right. But you were talking about, first of all, the the length of it. I just rewatched Infinity War. I'm sure you saw our Twitter. Uh-huh. I literally live tweeted and stuff. Excellent. Always good content. I am not going to get into it again because I did last night. And you have so many different opportunities to go back and listen to my thoughts on Infinity War. You can listen to our full commentary. <laughs> that's like two hours and 40 minutes long of that film live. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of two times we did that ever. So you can find that episode on our feed still way back in 2020 yep. probably. And then... We've reflected on those two movies, Infinity War and Endgame, so many times. So I'm not getting into it. Um, there's just a couple quick points here. I'm, I always remember when I'm watching Infinity War what you said in that first episode about how the pacing is so elite in that film. Like every single time that you're thinking to yourself, oh, I wonder what Tony's doing. It cuts to Tony. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, we haven't seen Black Panther yet in this episode. Drums come in. Now we're going there. It's like every time you want something, it's like the Rousseau's anticipated that and they give it to Mm -hmm. you piggybacking off what we just said man i do miss t'challa holy smokes like it's weird how this worked out where i'm i'm doing a wakanda forever reflection episode the day after watching infinity war again for the first time in a long time and i undersold how much i'm gonna miss him i think like it's just it's just weird it's just weird to not have him there anymore he is one of my favorite parts of that movie. Like the yeah. battle in Wakanda is unbelievable, but it's not as special if he's not there. So I, I, I am thankful that we had that moment yeah. with him. And I know I don't know him personally. So, you know, I don't know him at all personally, but it's just a bummer to not have him in the MCU anymore. And bummer yeah. is underselling it. It's actually a horrible tragedy that he's not here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so. Uh, I know we've said that a hundred times, but it's just well, weird and, and, if you watch those two movies right now. Yeah, and and I, like we've also said a hundred times, obviously we're not saying that his that the loss of the character is in any way equal to the loss of the person, and that's a given. But even the loss of the character is just like to your point, like thinking about that finished script. Like I was saying, like man, I've said on this podcast so many times how some of my favorite comics interactions are between the T'Challa and Namor characters. It's so good. And again, to Kugler's credit, he gave me a lot of what I like about those interactions in Wakanda Forever and just substituted Shuri, who has also had some some solid Namor interactions in the comics. But, but like, yeah, I'm thinking of the version of this movie that Ryan initially penned that would have had T'Challa and Namor kind of wrestling with these things and what that would have looked like. And like, I'm like, man, I, I really want to see that movie. <laughs> I know. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Regarding the pacing. Infinity war is almost three hours, two hours, 47 minutes, I think. And that's uh-huh. an example of it never wastes a second. I never feel like it's too long. Uh, yeah. So it's not just the length. It is the pace of it. The movie is literally, and I can't emphasize this enough, a masterpiece. It is a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. Yes. <laughs> I can't, 
the the music is is like god tier. The mm-hmm. performances, the visuals, the special effects team, like it's comical that in the same yeah. year Black Panther was nominated for visual effects and Infinity War wasn't. Not the costume design, yeah, it is the wild. visual effects. Are you kidding right. me? It's it is peak MCU. So just go back and listen to my thoughts or go read our tweets. Um, there's so many. Dude, the, the second Thanos beats the crap out of the Hulk, it's like, what a tone shift. Yeah. To have him beat the crap yeah. out of the Hulk. You're immediately in one second. Like in a 10-second scene, you're like, oh, my gosh, they're screwed. Uh-huh. Because if if the Hulk can't do it, like what? You know, it's – yeah, it, <laughs> I think what's so what's so interesting to me about Infinity War, because I was thinking about it watching your your live tweet, that was the first time that Marvel Studios has really felt like Marvel Comics to me in that, and, and I remember even seeing a lot of comics writers saying similar things at the time, saying like they just made a comic event into a movie where it's like, you know, you have these kind of traditional, like, five to seven or more issue arcs that are like these big event blockbuster sell comics things with all the crossover characters. And we had never had something like that, where it's like you check in all over the world with different people and then how they're, and then they all kind of culminate in these big battles. And the thing about Infinity War that I think I finally realized is if you view Infinity War and Endgame as part of kind of one event and one story, which I think is is fair, uh, and that's why we always have them back to back in the in the watch order. I think that part of why Infinity War ne- like never has any of the like little nitpicks that I feel in parts of Endgame is. Infinity War has all the benefits of the best parts of those comics events, which are the ramp up. And like, it doesn't have to end it. Yeah, exactly. It And so every, cause it's like, I think that in terms of like consistency, I think that the MCU, like if we're talking strictly quality control, right? Like we're not talking about like high, highest highs, although there are some contenders there too, but just quality control. The I highest think, yeah. I think the MCU might have, at least as as of now, peaked with Infinity War. And like, I'm not saying that that can't change. <laughs> and by the way, I'm not saying the, the the MCU has gone downhill and that everything's terrible. Here I'm we just go. Saying, Ninety like, minutes into the episode, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I think th- I, I I've thought this quietly to myself for a bit now, like. The difference between Infinity War and any other movie that's come out after Infinity War is, including Endgame, there's just never a moment in that movie. Yeah, it's perfect. That's the difference. For real. Th- yeah, there's there's nothing in that movie that I quibble with. Now, obviously, other people may disagree and do. I mean, it has like an 80-something percent rating See, on again, Rotten Tomatoes. Because that's where, where it's different is the payoff is not in like landing the plane or this crazy emotional work, the payoff is that it's paced perfectly. There's not a single thing to quibble with and they're banking on 
those interactions of those comic events being so special. Like the whole movie right. is just like, wow, it's fun to see Doctor Strange with Tony. Wow, it's fun to see Tony right. and Spider-Man. Wow, it's right. fun to see Guardians with Thor. Oh my goodness, now the Guardians are with Tony. Oh my goodness, yeah. Steve is with Vision. Like They should like, throw a lot of things into the pot. Right, It's it, but it's like everything you've ever wanted. It's like, oh my right. gosh, now we're getting to see like, we're getting to see Rhodey hang out with T'Challa. Right, and grounded by this incredible villain performance at the center of it, which is obviously exactly, key. exactly. Um, yeah, I. It's I'm just really it's fascinating. I do think it's it's so funny. Yeah, you're right. We can't get into it anymore here, but I, I, I think I have so future, much to say, but I've already said it. <laughs> if we ever, if we ever get into, especially if we ever get into Lord of the Rings, which we may or may not do, but I, I really think it's a lot like. Uh, you know, this is a this is two films and those are three. But like, I always debate whether my favorite Lord of the Rings movie is The Fellowship or Return of the King because I love so much of the setup and having all the characters together, which is similar to here. But some of those final emotional payoff moments in Return of the King are so huge that it's like one of the few movies that would always make me tear up growing up. And but I would also argue there are little there. Are, I have a couple issues with a few moments in Return of the King that I don't have at all in Fellowship. Like, and so it's, it's almost the exact same thing. And I think what you just said is right, where it's like one has to land the plane and the other doesn't. And that is an inherent burden that allows you the opportunity of kind of soaring to greater heights in moments. But also I think, is sort of a liability if if you're strictly looking at just like scene for scene hits. Okay, last thing, and then I swear I won't go on an Infinity War tangent. Um, you turn off the movie, and in regards to quality and taking into consideration everything we just said about preference and stuff, it is truly one of the best movies of the last 10 years, I think. And I think Endgame has to be in that conversation as well. Like, if you were making a top 25 list of, like, since the 2000s, I think you'd have to include them for what they meant for film and just how well they age. Here's my final point, and we've said this so many times, but I was watching that final scene, the perfection of the snap going off and all the music stopping and no one talking, the people start disappearing. I'm remembering how shocking that was at the time and then cap only saying, Oh God. And it's not like a curse. Right. It's more like a, like a plea, like, Oh no. Yeah. Like I just yeah. realized what yeah. happened and it's silent. Then porch starts, which I think is Alan Silvestri's greatest thing he's ever mm -hmm. done. I tweeted him that <laughs> yesterday <laughs> or on Instagram. And one of my thoughts right then and there is man, they found a way to make the stakes of that feel so real that even to this day, I'm still emotional about it. Mm -hmm. And because they dragged out the effects of that movie in Endgame for so long, like for five years, we've now talked about those movies. Uh -huh. They got away with this, which is awesome. But this, I was going to say, I'm sitting there thinking, man, that scene with Wanda and Vision is so powerful that she has to destroy him. Mm -hmm. And then it gets reversed. And then Thanos right. rips it out of his head. You know what I'm going to say? Do we need white vision then? Do I need mm. a white vision? Then I was thinking, man, that scene is so hard to watch as a dad of Thanos throwing Gamora off the cliff. And I uh -huh. thought to myself, 
do I need Gamora to be back now because of that? Then I think yeah. about how emotional all the dustings are. And then I'm like, wait, they reverse all the dustings. Like, they've done a good job of making us feel the impact regardless. Mm-hmm. But you zoom out and you're like, everything got reversed almost. <laughs> so anyways, don't start that. Di- yeah, don't start yeah. that discussion. But like. Yeah. No. And, and I think that there are different. I think that there are different valid arguments to be made for each quote unquote reversal. But yeah, I, I do see what you mean. The thing I'm most thankful for, though, is that they didn't, un, you know, like the I, I've said this a million times, the decision to not have the snap basically go back in time to yes, five years ago point. and make none of it ever happen, but to just good bring point. everyone back. Because that like that gave the more consequences to the. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it did impact people, and you know, and, and it it still ultimately ends with Tony Stark being dead and Steve Rogers being gone, and so it you know it feels like all of that. Yeah, even if you view events, them both as one story, yes, right, 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 true. But yeah, I, I see what you mean. Just in Infinity War, I haven't seen itself. Endgame yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. All right. Real quick, if you've made it this far, you are a diehard, and we love you for it. So I'm going to update you with the trivia. You still have a chance to win a shirt if you're still listening. Um, So here you go. By way of a quick update, Robbie, my last question was from Ant-Man and the Wasp, and I said, true or false, de-aging technology was used on Lawrence Fishburne's character. Get this. The answer is false. His son, his son plays the flashbacks of Bill no Foster, way which is so cool which is why I found that and there's is there any like visual like did, did they make him look like Lawrence Fishburne maybe I don't know I just read that okay. as a fun fact that it's it's at least some of the scenes are his son Langston okay which I wow, just thought was pretty fun. cool but yeah, yeah they maybe cool. have edited his face still yeah but right wow that's a cool okay, fun yeah. fact I like that I like that all right two questions for this week I want to talk about this so bad. I want to talk about Infinity War and Ragnarok again, but I don't have time. I don't have time. Maybe next <laughs> no week time. in the Phase Four reflection, we can talk about a few of those yeah. things. Well, and from Thor, I, from Thor yeah. Ragnarok, <laughs> I want to talk about it so badly. Dang it, from Thor Ragnarok. Uh, how many PhDs does Banner say he has? <laughs> this is. I have to say, this is our second take of of this question because I <laughs> got so excited to answer that I just answered the first take. I still laugh so hard when he's like, what are we disguised as? Tony and the Gypsy. <laughs> okay. None of them are for flying alien spaceships. Why are you Use one of your so PhDs. Weird? Why are you being so weird? <laughs> My favorite line, I think, sorry, that whole, my, my, okay, that's one of my favorite scenes when Bruce is finally back, not as Hulk. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite lines ever, he's like, I'm on another planet. He's like, you've been on a planet? Yeah, one. <laughs> well, now you've been on two. <laughs> okay. From Avengers Infinity War. And here we go. This, to me, is impossibly difficult. Impossibly difficult. Then I thought to myself, Maybe this is a comics thing and it's not going to be difficult at all to other people. I don't know this. So this could be a comics thing and people are going to be, oh, yeah, it's obvious. Who is who is Thanos' father? Because mm. they mention it one time when he sees Red Skull and he says, Thanos, son of... Hmm. Yeah. Is that obvious that, or is that not obvious? 
No, I don't think it is. I'm curious now. I actually don't remember what they say in the movie. I remember what they like what it is in the comics. And I now I kind of want to go back and see if it's the same. I assume it would be, but well, you'll find out. Yeah, good next question. Week. Good question. Well, so that's what I meant. It's either impossibly difficult if it's not like a reference to something. Right. Or right. it's incredibly obvious if it's the same name as the comics right. and that's like a big character. So there wow. you go. Good. Well, Robbie, anything else? You feeling good? Well, I, I'm feeling good. I, uh, this is great as you're wrapping up your Infinity Saga portion of the rewatch because next week as we're doing the Phase 4 Reflections, it's also going to be the perfect time for us to unveil the new Phase 4 watch order that we've finally put into place uh, now that Phase 4 is officially over. And so that'll be a good time to do that. Honestly, we didn't plan this, but it literally couldn't be better timing because I'm going to watch yeah. Endgame this week and then I'm going to actually text you. All right. What do I start with? Yeah. And it'll be fun because it will also be accompanied as always by the the update of the journey through the MCU playlist, which will look a lot different, not in content, but in structure, because some of some of phase four did move around some uh, over the course of of the last few months with different releases and and even things that were initially placed in one place and moved back. And and so I'm, I'm really happy with where it landed. And I'm really curious to see you're going to get a chance to actually experiment with the watch order before I do, just given how far you are in it. And so, uh, yeah, that'll be fun. All right. So here's your homework, everyone. What were your thoughts on Black Panther? Where does it rank for you? You can post your rankings in our Slack channel. You can find that Slack channel by going to our website, the ffwpodcast.com, and click join the Slack. While you're at the website, send us a message through the contact form there and check out our merchandise under the shop. I'll get you those shirts before Christmas. Don't forget to get your trivia answers in. Start preparing your mind for the friendlies if you are a Friends from Work Plus patron. And if you're not a Friends from Work Plus subscriber, Maybe check out Friends from Work Plus. It's a good time. Like I said, Andor Movie Club on there now or coming up this week. And Creed is on there as well, as well as a bunch of comic stuff and other fun discussions. Don't forget to check out EpicHeroShop.com if you're looking for another gift idea of more nerd merchandise. And follow us on our socials, which now includes YouTube as well. And just know we are so excited to jump into season four phase five with you guys. We've been talking about it so much behind the scenes, new video, new content, new Marvel stuff, just all kinds of fun ideas that we're so excited for. So phase four reflection next week. And then we're going to jump right into that stuff after Christmas. We hope everyone is having an awesome holiday season. We love you all so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting us all these years. And we'll talk to you next week here on friends from work. Friends from work.